I forgive you. For all the things that you did to me, I really forgive you. How does that statement make you feel? How do you feel when you say, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to. Could you forgive me? Why is it far easier to receive forgiveness than to give forgiveness? Forgiveness is a battle because it takes strength. It takes power to forgive. It takes a big person to say, it's okay, I forgive you. And it takes humility and an acceptance of one's weakness to receive forgiveness. But how are we to give if you do not know how to receive in the first place? How do I give that which I have not learned to receive? How do we give something if we don't know how to receive it or we have not received it? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love because He has first loved us. Let's, let's actually dive into this Old Testament story of Jacob coming home to meet Esau, his brother. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. The name Jacob means usurper or in simple terms a thief and he's trying to bribe his way into receiving forgiveness from his elder brother. He sends everything that he has ahead of him in the hope that his brother will receive him with kindness. And his messengers return to him saying, Esau is coming down with 400 men. And in great distress, Jacob cries out to his God. He reminds God of the promise to make him a great nation. And as he spends time alone, a man wrestles with him until daybreak. And finally, the man, unable to defeat Jacob, weakens his hip socket. And he also makes a declaration saying, You are no longer Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. For you have striven with men and with God and have prevailed. Jacob, who is now limping, goes ahead to meet Esau. In Genesis chapter 33 verse 3 we see, He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him and they wept together. You see, instead of attacking his brother and his company, Esau offered undeserved forgiveness. Jacob did not deserve that forgiveness, but Esau decided to give it anyway. It is undeserved because Jacob has not done anything. He has not done anything of merit to earn it. The forgiveness offered by Esau was one purely of grace. Grace is often referred to as undeserved favor or unmerited favor. And in these passages, in these passages, we see the hidden story of salvation being played out. Where a future Jacob, that is you and me, we who have no right standing before God, having done no good works that meet God's standards. But when we humble ourselves, and when we bow down and recognize Him as Lord, our elder brother Jesus as Lord, just as Jacob said, My Lord, Esau, and he bowed down to the ground seven times, Christ 
our elder brother offers us forgiveness of sins undeserved forgiveness unmerited favor not by human merit or human ability or the result of good works but his work on the cross of calvary many times like jacob we struggle inwardly we try to bribe god with our good works like jacob we sent cattle and sheep then wives and servants on ahead but we seldom do recognize that his forgiveness is unconditional it is not dependent on man's ability it does not depend on animal sacrifice it is only only the only condition that god puts down is the fact that we should just believe in his son and here is the thing about belief anyone can believe it is not dependent on our merit our good works but instead it purely rests on the grace of jesus to understand the biblical notion of forgiveness we must first go to the place where the measure of forgiveness was poured out unconditional forgiveness was poured out that's the cross of calvary jesus taught his disciples to pray thus give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as our debt as we have forgiven our debtors and the word as we also have forgiven is actually kai in greek the word kai is a conjunction in english it's like and which means it connects one with the other it is a connection it is a it's a continuation it is it is not two separate events in time we are not called to forgive others their debts before or after we receive forgiveness from jesus we are called to forgive others as our debts are being forgiven in other words we must become a vessel a channel or a pipe that allows the forgiveness of sins from god to flow to others you see god is not asking us to forgive others with our own ability because we can often fail when we try to forgive we just forget or we try to let go and then the time comes when somebody reminds us of that and it pops up again in our own ability forgiveness is not complete and so jesus is teaching his disciples that we are to give others the forgiveness of christ not the forgiveness of man but the forgiveness of christ that flows from the cross through you and me so that it is a work of grace the primary obstacle in forgiving others is an elevated sense of self or in other words it's pride god is not in it. god is not interested in making forgiveness a human work and in the eyes of god we are just as bad you see the same blood that paid the price for you and me paid the price for others god's forgiveness is a different kind of forgiveness when god says i forgive you it says i wipe out that that notion that event that happened your sins and your iniquities i will remember no more god is outside time he does not have a beginning and end like you and i and so when he says i will remember no more he means for eternity i will not remember it i will wipe it out many have misused the grace of jesus they use it as a license to sin claiming that forgiveness is there for anything and everything but you see one 
when we position ourselves to receive the forgiveness of Christ from the cross of Calvary, we behold the Lamb. How can we then think of something that is against the Lamb, against the price, against the sacrifice that Christ made for us? How is it that we can live a lifestyle? Paul says, shall we sin so that grace might abound more? By no means. You see, we see the parable. <clears throat> we see the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee prayed about how good he is. The Pharisee prayed about how good he was. How good of a Pharisee he was. How good at religion he was. How he attends churches or the temple of God. How he performs the sacrifice. How he keeps the commandments of God. But the tax collector, like a sinner, he asks for God's mercy. And Jesus said that the tax collector went home justified before God. And he said this, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Peter asked the question, How many times should I forgive? Jesus says 70 times 7. There is no limit to the forgiveness. We cannot put a limit on the forgiveness of Christ where we say enough is enough. I have forgiven enough because it is not ours. We are stewards. We are not called to measure it out. We are called to receive and forgive. Receive and give. Receive and give. The more we give, the more we receive. We see again in the parable of the king with the two servants. You see, one servant owed the king 10,000 talents and he begs the king, please forgive my debt. And the king forgives the debt of this person. But he finds a fellow servant and he says, you owe me a hundred denarii and he puts him in jail. And the king is angry. And the king says, I have forgiven such a great debt from you. And how is it that you have found a fellow servant and you have put him? And the king puts him back in jail and makes him liable for that debt. So the question then becomes, when we receive the forgiveness of Christ, what right do we have to withhold it? What right do we have to stand before the Father on the throne of grace and say, I would not want to give this to others? It's a selfish act. We see Stephen, who is the first martyr in the Bible. He is full of the Holy Spirit and he becomes a witness to Jesus. And he preaches passionately and he's stoned to death. And as he's dying, he cries out, Lord, please do not hold their sins against them. You see, we see this cry in another place. It is the same cry on the cross of Calvary where Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Stephen is taking the forgiveness of Christ, the Christ that is risen up, the Christ that he is seeing, he is taking the forgiveness of that Christ and he is offering it to the crowd, the crowd that is stoning him. Now you might ask, what good came out of that? He was stoned to death. But you see, amongst that crowd was a man named Saul. And he would go on to become one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament. It's the same Paul who wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Ask God in Christ forgive you. 
In that crowd when Stephen was giving the forgiveness of Christ, Saul, even though he did not receive it at that point of time, it enabled Saul to receive the forgiveness of God at a later point, at his conversion. And then Paul now becomes the vessel that is dispensing this forgiveness to others. When he says, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, when we forgive others, it can help somebody walk into their calling. What if Stephen did not forgive? You have to answer for Stephen's blood. We see in the book of Genesis, Adam and Cain and Abel, his two sons, and Cain kills Abel out of jealousy. And God tells Cain, the blood of Abel is crying out. It's crying out for justice and it's speaking against you. But the blood of Stephen did not speak against Saul because there was a better work. There was a better blood covering that work. Because there was a better blood available for that sin. That is the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, the sin of Saul is now wiped away. A blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. But you see, this concept of forgiveness will not become a reality unless it becomes real, unless it is made real by the Holy Spirit. And the reason why the Holy Spirit is required to live out a lifestyle of forgiveness is that the Spirit of God cannot reside in a place of uncleanness or unforgiveness or with the spirit of offenses. He is holy. So he needs a place that is washed clean by clean by the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was constrained to what was referred to as the Holy of Holies. This find, we find this Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and Solomon's temple. When a person accepts Jesus Christ and repents from his or her old ways, God clears out the old and declares the person righteous through the blood of Jesus, paving the way for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, Peter is saying, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter knows this very well, because he denied Christ three times in front of people. Just before the crucifixion, he denies Christ three times. And Jesus, after having risen up from the dead, asks Peter, Do you love me? Three times. You see, Jesus forgave Peter for denying him. And this was his way of offering that forgiveness. He asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you truly love me? So Peter receives the forgiveness from Jesus. But until the Holy Spirit came down on Peter on the day of Pentecost, he was not allowed to preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news. It's the good news of the forgiveness of sins. Why is it that Jesus said, wait for power from above to be poured into you before you preach this? The gospel of John chapter 20 verse 22, we see Jesus addressing his disciples. And when he had said this, verse 22, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The Bible says that the grace of God has appeared before all men. And how is it and why is it that Jesus would say, if you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld? Jesus is not saying that we must withhold the forgiveness from others. 
because you've received the Holy Spirit. He's saying the Holy Spirit will empower you to be a vessel, to be a channel, to offer the forgiveness of Christ to others. We have a divine responsibility to dispense the forgiveness of Christ. And if we don't, we are withholding the forgiveness of Christ from others. A spiritful believer can withhold the forgiveness of Christ from others by holding on to unforgiveness or offense. Maybe some of us want forgiveness from others. Maybe some of us want forgiveness from others. Maybe you need to forgive others. There's only one way to truly walk in forgiveness and that is to turn our attention, our focus to the cross of Calvary. To look at the one who paid the price. From him have we received forgiveness. You see, when we take up that cross in humility and we nail our pride and selfish desires to that cross, just like that thief on the cross, we receive the forgiveness of sin. We can walk in a pure lifestyle, reset and redeemed, and then we become eligible to receive the Holy Spirit who enables us to now pour out this forgiveness to others. Freely you have received freely you shall give. Which one of us has paid a price to receive this forgiveness? None of us. It's the blood of Jesus that brings us on equal ground. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you are going to do. The blood of Jesus is capable of wiping it away. It's capable of forgiving you so much so that he can turn you away from that path of destruction become a vessel of forgiveness. Share the message of forgiveness with another and be blessed.